What kind of advice would you give to other first home buyers or people like listening and, and hearing about your journey when it comes <sighs> to slice. the profit? <laughs> and cut. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was what I'm yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, um, what would I give? I think, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier. The team is probably a really big one. But re- if you can, like don't just look at it because you really want the marble bench top or something like that. Don't get me wrong, that's important. You really want to, if it's somewhere you're going to live, I'm all about that. You don't want to hate it, but think about the equity. Think about the money that's going in versus money that's going out. Welcome to Slice, property made possible. We are a platform on a mission to reduce barriers to home ownership. This podcast is a safe space for our community to learn together and build the confidence required to start on their property journey. When you're ready to start, head along to slicedubai.com and sign up for your free dashboard. Welcome back to another episode of Slice Your Property Podcast. Today we're joined by Kennedy Anderson, who's actually going to run this episode. <laughs> yeah, okay, we're getting started, guys. Amy, thank you for having me. <laughs> we are just laughing before because he's probably got more experience when it comes to social media, videoing. Oh, look. It's it's all but it's all a bit of a game, right? We're all just playing it, and I'm very excited to be here and learn a little bit more about what this is to do as well. Yeah, so we like to kick things off by actually asking you about your first home buyer experience. What is it that you remember about that? Nice. So I was I have a, a buzzy a buzzy little story around it. I was not looking to buy a home when I bought a home. It was four weeks after the very first lockdown. One week when we first started looking after the very first lockdown, but four weeks until we purchased it, it all happened. Very quickly, we had a huge overseas trip planned that um, got cancelled a day before the first lockdown happened. And so we had a bunch of savings. We pretty much got all of that money back. We were very lucky and were pretty devastated about not being able to travel. And my parents were like, hey, well, why don't you, you know? And yeah, so we kind of just like jumped into this, didn't have much else on other than COVID. So got into home and I take that shit real seriously. Swearing. Yeah, no, you go for it. Okay. You be you, you okay, know, you be- your authentic self. <laughs> I take that shit real seriously. <laughs> and so, yeah, we just jumped into looking around. We were kind of searching for between eight hundred to 900,000 property. Um, quickly went out to like northwest type Auckland, Hobsonville area because that's where we could afford that yeah. kind of style of living. And um, because we were in this amazing, strange time in the market, we kind of realized that like people were looking, but everyone was really uncertain. And so we yeah. had this like... We were uncertain, but we didn't really realize how the market was working at the moment. And so house prices kind of came down a bit right right at the very start of like getting out of lockdown and no one was really unsure. So we Before they went up again. Yeah, and before and they went up again. And now they're down again. Exactly. <laughs> so it was like this really weird curve and we got into it while it was in this low point. And so I actually approached my parents and said, hey, we could probably get something that's like worth a little bit more. I don't have the equity right now, but they had equity in their properties. Yeah. And so if they were willing to help and leverage and like kind of overwrite just in case we ended up looking for something between more like one and 1.2 because I could afford the mortgage repayments. I was being risky, but also within a reason, this was my first properly big purchase with my partner, Oliver as well, who's way more risk adverse than myself. So he was very like, we have to check the numbers. And I was just like finding all these cool properties. Like maybe we could do (laughs) (laughs) 1.5. And then he's like showing me how much that would cost per week. And I was like, Oh, maybe we can't maybe. do it. I was like, wait, that's my whole like salary. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it kind of transitioned really quickly from there. And we looked at 16 homes and it was the number two one that I saw and kept going back to it. I think that's that same yarn that you do. And my, yeah, my, my favorite part about the story is that we turned up for the auction and no one else was there because it was oh. still COVID. It was like, people were like, 
weird to turn up to places. We had, I think, someone on the phone maybe, but no one else was in the auction room. And so I got our property for 80K less than CV Amazing. in Auckland. Amazing. Yeah, which yeah, just doesn't, doesn't happen. happen. No, and so when we were shaking the seller's hand, he was not stoked, oh, but like no. needed to sell. He was uncertain as well. And so, yeah, it started off, we had a 2.6 interest rate and an amazing price. So, yeah, we were really lucky. And again, it's hard to say right place, right time, because these things change so dramatically, but it genuinely was. And because of that, we built equity over the next couple of years. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because we haven't had, you know, someone outlay that, but in that exact fashion where you said we were going to go traveling and then COVID. And so we bought a house. Yet there's this like narrative where everyone's like, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Like yeah. people bought houses and jet right? skis. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, we're not going what were you doing with yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it honestly was that. Like I, and now everyone's selling jet skis. Like. <laughs> selling off. Like, yeah, yeah. What, what can I do to get traveling again? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. No, like selling their entire lives. And it is kind of like that. Look, it wasn't my first and foremost. It's always been something that I wanted to do, but it, I didn't think I would be doing it this early. I, wanted to burn cash a little bit more to start with. But if there's one thing I can do to all my friends now and this advice is like what this has done for me, just this one thing. Again, granted, I had this awesome scenario that happened because I built yeah. equity, but how that's played out the rest of my life from here on out has been like astronomically different. I can't even believe what would have happened if I'd just gone traveling and burnt that cash versus now. Don't get me wrong, still would have loved it and yeah. I would have had those great memories. Mm. But being able to travel so much now, because of what I've done, it's yeah. like huge for me. That's a really interesting point because like people think that it's one or other, but it's not necessarily. No. Like you can do both. And in fact, Smart, owning like, a property can enable that. Like we've just, and this is so many people talk about privilege. I keep thinking about it all the time now. So like, obviously we're lucky, but my partner, his family have a batch. And so we stayed in Fongamata over the last three months oh my God. and we saved 10 grand yep. and we're using that to go traveling. And we, That's just Airbnb, smart. we Airbnb'd, sorry. Well, we were going to Airbnb at our house, but yep. we rented it out, saved 10 grand and then we're using that to travel. So nice. it's not actually one or other. Once no. you get on the ladder, you can start to kind of make that asset work for you. Totally. And that's just one of the ways that you can do that, right? Like yeah. it kind of opened my mind to be even just thinking about like my parents are really big in educating me on these types of things. They've never been really like handout type parents, but I consider myself hugely privileged in the way that they have like advised me and kind of like done the whole like, I think, is it like lead a horse to water or something like that? Like they've been really good Teach at- Teach a man to fish or yeah, like fish for him or exactly, something. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So they, yeah. they taught me really well in those scenarios, even when it was hard and when I would prefer of them just to have Silver given me the- spoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that would have been a great life. No, no but how they did that and teaching me about smart debt was like a really big thing my dad's into. So- he's kind of worked his whole life. He's an insanely talented, really hard worker, but worked his whole life and has kind of reached 60 and realized that he probably didn't play as hard as he worked. And he wants me to make sure I find that balance and yeah. understanding that like, you can't not live the life that you want to live, but within reason, yeah. you know? So like use debt and use it smartly and be clever with it and play the game, but within reason and ensure that it's always got a, yeah, a stepping stone, I guess, is the way to do it. Not just like willy-nilly using debt, but like using it in a way where it's going to help you get to that next stage. And I guess it's a mindset thing. He's always allowed me to think like, well, if I had the money, even if I didn't at that time, if I had it, what would I do with it? And it's kind of allowed me to work in business and travel and all those types of things and take more risks probably because of it. Yeah. And if you're a risk 
risk-taker, find a partner who's not a risk-taker. So good. I, yeah, I actually have that because I'm the risk-taker yeah. as well. It's amazing. I think it is good to have that like balance, that, yeah. that leveller, like just to pull you back sometimes. Yeah. But I'll then, always win, but like it's yeah. nice to have that. <laughs> but it's nice to, you know, feel like there's a bit of tension. There's pushback, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it's probably, imagine where we would be without that. So like it's probably a good thing. Yeah, I think it's a healthy balance. And if you're mature enough to know that that can be like a good influence on your life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great place to start. When when buying that property, obviously, like you had some anxiety around why is no one else in the room, that sort of oh thing. God, like, yeah. but what other challenges did you have with the buying process itself? I'm not a very good admin person <laughs> or finance person, to be fair. So I've got I've been in business for a little while and had to have forced learn financials, right? Like I'm a creative at heart. And so sitting down in P&L meetings and all that kind of stuff was never my first and foremost favorite thing to do, but had to learn it. Yeah. And really grateful that I had to like have that crash course. So I guess when it came to like the actual mortgage process, my brain checks out. Like I was just like, you want to, you want every record of what? Like I was like, this is, does everyone this is have invasive. the- This <laughs> This is me every and time. Rude. Yeah. Every time Ollie would ask me for something, I was like, no. <laughs> He's like, babe, like you need to do this. And so- and it would happen time and time again, even though I knew it was coming, I'd still be like, what the heck? Like, they need that? Like, so that part was honestly challenging. And I think that's probably a part that I would love to talk to everybody about because it's not like, the, the obviously the buying part's the exciting part, but it is a huge process and I can see why that would deter people. But getting the right people in your corner is a huge thing. So we've actually, luckily enough, bought our second like an investment property awesome. down in Christchurch and we built literally bought that off equity that we made of our first home incredible very very fortunate and wow having a mortgage broker versus the first time we did it Ollie did everything so yeah. Ollie went through that whole process like on his own talking to lawyers do it like literally on his own because I was not helpful <laughs> and yeah the difference was crazy they yeah really helped and just like guess like I said having the right people in your corner made a really big difference yeah so building the team and we have a team of brokers and lawyers on on the platform which we we kind of negotiate fees with it's yeah. actually free to work with brokers though so that's the thing that some people don't realize yes and I don't know that either yeah and so it's like why would you not yeah. take that option because I guess yeah in your head you're almost like it's too good to be true that they're going to do all this thing but they obviously benefit from it they get paid by the bank yeah yeah and like finding you and they've just got like I guess the best deals, you know, like compared to what you can get and how you they can hustle it. They have it, like, visibility over all yeah, a lot like the it. banks rather than one bank that's going, hey, we've got this for you. Yeah. And that can be both interest rates, but also like the types of products or like yeah. different things to suit your needs. So yeah, definitely do recommend going with a broker and I'm Hugely glad that now, that works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like just the stress levels of doing it with and without, like dramatic. Yeah. So that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, you want a team around you, right? And you want, like, trustworthy people. That Trust is probably a really good word yeah. for that, actually, because I think going into it, maybe my sense was that, like, possibly in my head for some reason it was, like, going to be a little bit more, like, real estate agency, like, salesy, yeah. which it wasn't. They really feel like... Again, the brokers aren't. Like, the brokers, no, that's and, what I mean. brokers, the brokers and lawyers aren't. are on your team. And agents, even though I just filmed an episode with an agent <laughs> who was, like, we were having a bit of back and forth around it. But they're not really. Like, you can maybe try and use them for a purpose from time to time. Yeah. But they're not really on the buyer's team. No, they know so, what they want, right? Yeah. And, and I get it. That's their job. Yeah. I think, and that's probably where I was coming from, thinking that, that type brokers of, and lawyers are all like that. Yeah, it was all just going to be a little bit yeah. cutthroat. But, like... God, the amount of time that they put into like helping us and like, again, getting past that point of they're not, they don't really care about your 
every line of your McDonald's orders. Like, yeah. and you get over that part. Anymore, there was a, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so my a first, moment in time. Yeah, my first house was a little bit more like that. The yeah. second one, when we didn't have to do that, I was like, you don't, you don't care. Like, <laughs> I can keep all my subscriptions. <laughs> That's so cool. But like, I think even how the first time when I didn't have someone to kind of bounce that information off, the difference of when I asked them, you know, like, what about the subscriptions? And that explained to me, even if they were wary of it, that explained why. And I think that yeah. was probably the biggest, because I understand that. Like, it's a monthly recurring thing. They want to know if, like, push comes to shove, would you sacrifice that? Well, of course I would. But yeah. they need to know that. And rather than just saying, we're coming after you or your financials, which is scary. Like, yeah. I'm not always the smartest person with my money. <laughs> like, And every, like, I mean, it's so common. I feel like so many people feel a bit insecure when it comes to finances and feeling like, it is invasive, like, for people well, to yeah. see it. But you just get used to it, and then you're like, oh, whatever. Yeah, I did buy KFC, and I went totally. to Family Bar, like, it's the whatever. Fir- yeah, it's the first <laughs> time, I think, going through that, and then now realising that, like like I said, as long as you're in your corner, I find those conversations funny now. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, and what? Like, that's, yeah. that's what happened. Yeah, if anything, like... I think it's like, that learning, though. Like, that first time was pretty, yeah, scary. Yeah, and feeling more comfortable and confident with it, which yeah. if you have the right partners and the right team, like, that trust Biggest difference, yeah. And, yeah. And let's talk a little bit about your business, businesses and experience in that space too and how, yeah, just keen to hear more about that. You're obviously on The Apprentice. Yep, yeah, that was a couple of years ago now, yeah. which is like crazy, it happened so quickly. But yes, that was a, a very buzzy time. Honestly, didn't expect to go on a reality TV show. That wasn't in my little bingo cards, but yeah. the opportunity came up. They reached out to me, which was pretty exciting and kind of thought it would be I mean, completely transparent. I think everyone probably going on the show thinks that it might be beneficial for their career. Yeah. So I was I was obviously very thinking on that um, route of it all and kind of thought it's pretty – out of all the reality TV shows to go on, I was like, this is probably the closest to, like, my life that Business I could. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, not a love show, you know. Yeah, I was yeah. like, how good. This is exciting. So, yeah, did that. It was a crazy time. It was seven weeks away from home and life. And so no phone, no internet, no talking to your partner, no family – or business. So I had to also be away from two of my businesses for seven weeks wow. and hope that, that they were okay. Yeah, that's a Zero pressure contact. cooker. Yeah, which is kind of the point, right? Yeah. They, they want you to be in a pressure cooker and that's probably the part that... So that you start acting out yeah. so they capture it on TV? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so like that's kind of the part that I knew going into it. I was coming from media, coming from this world. I was kind of excited to see like how they did it all, like the back end yeah. of it all. I was equally impressed and also like gobsmacked with like the levels that they go to. Again, like some parts we can't talk about, but like most of it, just like realizing that some days when it was like a really stressful day, you'd come home to the house where you're not filmed and they'd have all this alcohol lined out for you, like to celebrate and everyone would just get like drunk and I'm not really like the biggest drinker. And so yeah. I just, it was like beer and wine. I'm like, no, thank you. And they just get smashed. And then the next day we'd have like a 4am call time. And so people are like tired and hungover and hangry yeah. and and they'd wake you up at four, hair and makeup, like finished by 6am and then not start filming until like 10. So they just got you up to be tired. And so really? all these things like happening, like. And they I'm, like purposely get you drunk, then wake you up. I don't know whether I can say that, but yeah, like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. No, yeah, that's what, like, that's what it felt like. And so, I mean, yeah, you can look at it from that negative side, but from the positive, or not positive side, but from like where I found that the most interesting was realizing that like, you could notice that we're all humans, like we could figure that out, but like these people still keep committing to like doing these types of things. And, and I think that word pressure cooker was probably the the best way to describe that because for some reason, no matter what, even if you weren't drinking or weren't doing anything, being in this world for four weeks before it starts, like four weeks is that real mark where like you've done nothing but live in this house with the same people talking about the same competition, the same prize. You don't have news. 
You don't yeah. like, and you're with, and they're all your friends. You're bonding like a family, like no tomorrow, but they're also your competitors. And it was just a crazy world. Like I remember like writing, I don't journal, but I was like journaling at night to kind of then like remember that life outside of this existed. It was buzzy. Like I was like writing to my partner, Ollie being like, this is like the first time I'm like thinking about you, which is a really weird thing to say, but like you are so involved in this like competition that it's like all consuming. Yeah. Crazy. Really buzzy time. And grateful for the opportunity it was cool just was so much more of a head game than I expected it to be yeah but I mean like super valuable to actually I think so like you know that experience and like put your mind through that and how you can like overcome it and I think like they give you all the support yeah I mean like way more manageable (laughs) if I compared it to that everyone's like you lived in a mansion for seven (laughs) weeks we got fed three times a day you know like but like in the sense that like you are like there's a mental yeah, there's game that, that is being played. That's like, what I, didn't I found. Really, well, I didn't really realize that about The Apprentice. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think it's any, any reality TV. They want yeah. to figure out how to make people break and all that kind of stuff. Like it's kind of their job, which again, yeah, like you said, look at it from one way. But you also really want the show to be good as well. Yeah. Like you've dedicated a lot of time to it. You don't want it to be boring. Yeah. And so like I was willing to play the game. Yeah. I just wasn't as, as it turns out, you don't get to see it, right, until you watch it back. I just wasn't as sassy as a lot of my competitors were, which I didn't know. You know, yeah. like you find out later that they've pulled you away for like a Vox Pop, like those little side things. And they like <laughs> rip into you and you're like, oh, I didn't say that about you. <laughs> like, I didn't realize we were doing that. Like, whoa, okay. <laughs> and so I was slightly too nice probably to be on the show. Um, not in real life, but you play that character a little bit, you know, like yeah. I was being the nice guy and turns out that doesn't really help on TV. <laughs> They're like, no, we have time for that. That's no, really like, that's boring. boring. Yeah. Like, Kennedy, be better. <laughs> yeah. I think I had a lot of facials. People would talk and I'd just be like, <laughs> they got a lot of that. <laughs> but yeah, it was a cool experience. Oh, how good. And like, more seriously though, your business experience, because obviously you've had a few different fingers in, in many different pies. Yeah. What has that looked like and what does that look like today? A journey. Definitely, definitely a big journey. You hit my word. Like that's the word that I use probably 10 times in every episode. Right. Well, it is. <laughs> that's a great word because I think possibly with the world of Instagram and what I'm trying to learn to be a bit better at, I've done social media for eight or nine years now. And when I first started, it was very much like show the highlights, do the cool stuff, show how good your life is, be aesthetic, be this and be that. And that's honestly what helped me grow to start with. Yeah. These days that's not. And so that's why I really like to focus on the word journey and things like that because I, this part that I'm living right now had nothing to do with what I was doing back then, you know, like it, sorry, it did. It had everything to do with the journey and nothing to do with how I'm living right now, you know? Yeah. So business was hard. I was 19 when I started and built an agency called Colab which was my first social media agency, grew it to eight staff, nine including myself, and did not know how to make it profitable for the life of me. I kept adding clients, services, and then I'd add a new person in to help fulfill that, and it would not stop. It just kept doing this. So I was actually doing influencer jobs on the side to prop up being able to pay my team. Like that was just what I kept doing. And so influencing them became a decent part of my life, even though at the time I didn't feel like I was an influencer. I was just taking creator jobs. I was probably started to take jobs that I didn't necessarily feel that great about because yeah. I was doing anything to save my business. And so that was a cool learning. I'm super glad that I actually went through that because now I can be like, I would way rather have no money than do some of those things. I was, you know, pushing dog food and stuff that people didn't really care about. Yeah. And you started to notice that. And my 
audience dropped and things like that started to change and I was like okay you can't just do this forever you've got to be a bit more authentic yeah yeah yeah. and that was kind of that like change in social media and how it started to play out and it it allowed me to really take a little step back and realize that I probably couldn't do everything on my own and I kind of thought I was a bit bulletproof at like 19 to 21 those are the years of me building this brand thought it was going to be like you know the thing that was going to make or break for me and quickly realized that I needed help which was probably my coolest and best piece of business advice is like mentors. Yeah. And if it's not like the standard mentor that you have to go and hire like a business coach, that's cool too. But it can be anyone. It can be your dad. It can be your mum. It can be even a friend who's gone through a slightly similar experience. You just need to sit down and have a coffee and just download sometimes. Yeah. A problem halved, like, sorry, a problem shared, problem halved, really stand by that. And it changed my life pretty much having some people just to be like, is this right like because I keep doing it and they're like no and I'm like okay yeah. <laughs> good to know cool 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 cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, sweet but at least I had someone to like tell me that now you know whereas I was kind of probably leading a little bit of a facade trying to be that young entrepreneur person to making everything work and I really want that to be like knowing that that's not how it goes you know and it's really hard to do that and it's okay to fail because that's the whole point I'm on business number five you know yeah. like it's, it's all good but failing upwards you know like every, with every, every single business, business that you do yeah it's like you're growing closer to that. Oh, hugely. Like, obviously, on the outset, it looks like a failure. To me, they don't feel like that. And I love every single one that we've created. There's been a couple that have stuck. One of the earlier ones that I created was the Whitening Co. And that's one of the ones that have stuck all the way through. That's kind yeah. of like my big brand now, which is a teeth whitening company. Yeah, I thought about, I was like, just before you're coming in, I was like, oh, shit, should have whitened yeah, my teeth. <laughs> should have whitened my teeth. How's it going to look like? <laughs> the amount of people that say that too. I had to. I went and got my teeth straightened last year purely because of that. Everyone like stares at my mouth all the time now. Sorry, it's an it's an asset. <laughs> yeah, you know? I'm sure that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So that's that's one of my bigger brands. That's been one of the ones that I've really connected to, and I think probably the what I owe that success to is finding its story and mission and reason a lot more rather than just like forever hustling for money which don't get me wrong I love and I'm doing that with all my businesses but realizing that I was kind of doing this because it made people smile I like changed my world I got really motivated by it I was like making these products and inventing this community that like people would like email me being like I am crying because I got to smile in all my wedding photos for the first time with my teeth and like yeah little things are helping build like confidence confidence. it became like that that became like a reason and then that's when I started to really like when I was helping out other businesses and other people, I started to really focus on that. And that's kind of what led me into where I am now, which is I have an agency on, or like a partner agency thing on the side, which I work with small amount of businesses, not as many as I once worked with agencies. And yeah. I really work on like personal brand and content and stories and like the whole vision and not just putting an ad out and hoping that it makes sales off a product. You know, it's like the entire encompassing part of a brand is so important. And it's the, the only things that have stuck around with me are the ones that have been like that yeah meaningful and like purpose had a purpose yeah yeah yeah. and just most businesses do have that it's just like finding what that is and helping them portray that because like you speak to most founders they've 100% got a purpose yeah but they think maybe their purpose isn't as like valuable they think they're like oh no I'm doing this for money and we all are don't get me wrong but like there's a reason there's a reason that you decided to take the risk you could do a number of different things for money and like particularly when you're taking business risk normally there is a Huge financial dip first, right? Yeah, so actually it's you're not, not money. Yeah, no, like, yeah. That's not when people really say that, money. Like, oh, that's why you've got money. And I'm like, oh, no, the businesses have cost me more so far. Yeah. <laughs> the house I has actually made me the most. <laughs> to move into Slice. <laughs> oh, oh. Like, oh, yeah, halved. Yeah, yeah, fully. Like, that's it, right? No, like, I literally did. Even more than halved. Yeah, I see, like, that's what I mean. It's like 
and it's it's a year old, right? Like yeah. people just expect because you've got a business that means you're like financially there. And sheesh, like I said, the amount of times I was making money on Instagram more so than my businesses is a huge amount. But it takes that work to kind of put it in and reap those rewards. But you can't really go the distance if you don't have like some purpose or meaning behind it. Yeah. As well as sure, you can have some drive for financial independence and in, and in your wealth journey, but. I think that yeah. was a cool part about what I learned in the big agency world, like CoLab and Glass Elephant, was seeing all these clients and, and businesses kind of come in and you'd see a full range of businesses, but a lot of them doing that, you know, like these short stint ones that would last like one or two years were doing it because they'd seen like a trending product come out and like they didn't have a backing to it or they weren't willing to put their face on it. And like, not that that's like the biggest thing, but it's like people buy but from people. But if you're not, is that because you're like embarrassed of it or like, you know? No, not all the time. It? Some people just don't like that like oh, attention. Yeah. But I guess where, where I come from is like, sorry, what I mean by that is being able to connect with someone and a purpose, sorry, and like a face means that you're really going to buy into their purpose and reason and you don't just feel like you're buying from like a soulless brand. And Again, then it's trust. Trust like, is we a go huge back thing. To, yeah. yeah. And that's where social media has kind of come to these days, right? Is like, we're, we're, we're even saying like death to the product image where like where you just post your pretty photos of your product online anymore because there's just no purpose to that anymore like I could do a video explaining why I got into teeth whitening and that would get me 10 times more views people are then going to check out your website and go through it that way if I post about my teeth whitening kit again they're like we've seen it we get it we're cool you know and we're bored. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's like that. And I think that was a hard, as a photographer, that was a hard thing to like. And you're too nice. <laughs> yeah, like you're boring, you're too nice and like be done with your teeth biting kids, you know. But it, it's like that. So I'm starting to realize that that's, you know, where the huge amount of value is, is in people and stories and brand. And Storytelling. Really, and huge. Yeah. And it's great to see that in New Zealand, we have so much opportunity there. Like there's so many startups, companies that have very genuine purpose. And the people can be so cool. Yeah, and like, we're so lucky. Yeah. But I guess your your role there then in working with those businesses is helping extract that and yep. share that and make that a big part of, of what they're talking about in their yeah, I mean, community. you've mentioned that to me about your story, right? Like having to jump into this side of it all when you're really, you're building a tech business to start yeah. with with Slicer. Now this is like your front and center in front of some cameras and, and, like, <laughs> and putting out that personal brand. But I think the re- like maybe coaching one of my clients through that and then allowing them to see that reward based off it. Like you said, you're seeing those more consistent, you know, engagement come up and realizing that that's actually going to help build trust in your brand is a pretty cool feeling for like watching them do it. Whereas they've tried for, you know, two, three years before me and they haven't been able to ha- make that same connection. And I'm not saying this is the only thing that you can do to do that, but right now in this world where we're finding a lot of authenticity. Noise. Yeah, like like to cut through with authenticity online is pretty incredible. And so that's why we're seeing podcasts and video formats and all these things where you can build trust with someone become so much bigger. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really useful for me to hear because I'm like, oh, yes, like you're pretty much giving me a free consult here. On, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. On I'm like, well, you, can, you can do the home stuff for me then. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be on yeah, to it. Yeah, next time I'll form your team on your third investment Perfect. property. Yeah, there you go. We're away. And the other thing that was interesting as well is you've also been doing some directing for commercials as well. So like you could probably do a better job of what we're, we're trying to achieve oh, here today. you're doing such a good job. But what, what does that look like as So well? that was a lot of my role at Glass Elephant, which was the middle agency. So I had yeah. Colab, then Glass Elephant, and now my creative world is called Content & Co. Glass Elephant was the biggest one that I was a part of. I didn't start it. I got in at the starting point with one of my mentors, Simon Phillips, and Brad Lindsay, and we built this business together. This became a global e-commerce 
enterprise system is pretty incredible. Got to work with some amazing clients around the world. And that really allowed me, because I had these great mentors and amazing team, like we had a team of 80 across the world. I was really just the creative director, which was a really cool thing for me after trying to be the CEO and the managing director and the finance and all that for CoLab, taking a step back, realizing that I had a lot to learn still, which was humbling, you know, and then kind of allowing to play in my strengths, which is what they allowed me to do. And that was the first time I was even really considered a creative director, which again is just a title, but like it allows you to kind of embody it a little bit more. And probably gave you a bit of confidence Huge. that, yeah, like this is this is what I do. This is my jam. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it really allowed me to step into my own. And then like just talking to these big clients and no longer being so nervous because I was like, well, I'm the creative director. You need my opinion on this, you know? And that's where like that directing really came in. I had an awesome creative team of like 20 underneath me and I had to lead that and yeah, do some really cool commercials and, and things around that I was just like, well, I don't necessarily have, I'm not necessarily saying I'm the world's best director. I'm not trained in that, but I always had a vision and I'm very opinionated and I was just like, and I'm happy to share it. I'm I'm very happy to tell you. Yeah. So I guess having those opinions and being able to share them and just probably being a slight extrovert as well really helped in that scenario because I was happy to turn up to a shoot and just kind of be like, I've really got a vision and I need it to kind of go this way. And clients loved it. It was really cool. I got to work with people, probably people and connections is where I thrive and working with, you know, photographers, videographers, talent models, doing things like that. People who left these photo shoots or these directors saw my experience, saw how they liked dealing with me and then like kind of almost helped build my personal brand outwards that way as well. Because when it came to it, they didn't necessarily reach out to CoLab or Glass Elephant. They reached out to me for their next shoot. And it kind of really positioned myself as that creative director, which previously I didn't have that. So when I left Glass Elephant to kind of go back out on my own again, I really started to embody that and was just like, well, now I know my worth. I'm a creative director and it's where I sit. And that changed my game, which was just like, I guess a mindset more than anything. Like I didn't graduate as a creative director. I didn't take any further steps other than really starting to embody it myself. And people just believed you after that. Yeah. (laughs) Faked it till I made it. Yeah. Confidence is key, you know, and that's super exciting to hear that. Like it's such a varied journey that you've had, but that you kind of it wasn't even necessarily the CEO role or feeling like you're a business owner that helped you find that sense of confidence or that place. Yeah, it was buzzy. actually like this particular role where you're like, oh yeah, that's my skill set. I'm really good at this. And that's, it's almost it's, like- That was a huge learning. Yeah. Because like, I think for so long, I just wanted to be the CEO, you know? Yeah. like, And I think that's probably like, something that I'd love to just really harp on about because it's not all it's cracked up to be. It's a really hard role. Yeah. And like, you've got like, I'm- I just love people and I don't like being mean, you know, like, and that's okay. Like, it's all good. Like I almost for a wee while tried to force myself to be that person and realized that I was just like, oh, this is not for me. I'm always, and so like in my last couple of businesses, I've hired CEOs, even though they're my companies. Yeah. I love that. Like, it's great. It's so good. And I feel that's really interesting because you can be a business owner, but you don't have to be the CEO. So many business owners shouldn't be the CEOs. Yeah. Like Elon Musk. (laughs) Very true. No, like for real though, right? Like we need those geniuses, but they don't necessarily know people. Yeah. And I think this is going to be an interesting journey for me as well, because obviously I'm a builder, but I don't know if I'm a like a CEO that sits in when it's like scaling, growing and and like as a- The constant management. constant kind of growing business. We'll see. I haven't really got into that point yet, but I think I might be more of the builder. Yeah, which is cool. Honestly, like you end up, and not that I have the world of experience in it either, but where I've kind of come to terms with it is like falling back in love with that journey of 
building the brand because otherwise yeah. after a while, like that was kind of what Glass Elephant was. It became this bit of a beast of a business and I was kind of like, well, I liked the building part. Yeah. You know, like I, we were sitting on like constant I meeting. liked being like a little... <laughs> stressed all the time. <laughs> yeah. I liked grafting. No, but you know, and I did. And yeah. so like, and that's just cool. It's like kind of finding that like where you sit in that world and it was people and it was creative and it was all that. And so I've just learned to pay the right people around me. And obviously that does come at a cost, don't get me wrong, but it costs way more of your life and time if you don't do things like that. Yeah, and your well-being. That's good, yeah, yeah, pretty much what I meant. Like it was hard and I just didn't enjoy my job anymore. And I've always been that person that's like loved working. Yeah. It's a, weirdly enough, like a hobby, right? Yeah. Like I really enjoy it. And I no, love, I'm the same, I enjoy yeah. it. Well, because we're lucky enough to be able to be building something for us. And so when I took that step back, I was like, if this is doing this for me, I was like, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And so, yeah, kind of found my spot and I love it. And yeah, kudos, because that takes a lot of maturity as well to move away from like something that society cre- like yeah. imposes value on, you know? Like Even my parents as well, like they loved the idea of me being the CEO and the boss and because I'd always told them that, you know, yeah. like from kindergarten, I was like, I'm going to be the boss. Like this yeah. is so exciting. And you, obviously you still are, but. And you were, but you are in a different way and you, yeah, I guess it's just like you find your place in the world and what you enjoy doing and that's actually most important. Yeah. And it's also like very mature and very... Low ego. It was like a, yeah, I don't think necessarily I had a low ego. It was more like a hit, which I had to take on and like learn with, you know, like it took me a long while to even accept that, that that probably wasn't going to be the case, but I'm so glad that I did that because yeah, realizing that like if, if the reason I was in the CEO position was for ego, don't be there because you won't enjoy it. It's really hard. Yeah. And what what other advice, like obviously don't be a CEO. (laughs) (laughs) It's obviously become like the huge thing, yeah. (laughs) But what other advice do you have for aspiring young business owners? Value your time. I, well, within reason, I I sometimes see like the complete opposite these days where like a lot of young people in business are so valuing their time, which is really good, don't get me wrong, but to the point of where they're like thinking that they're out the gate worth X before doing like anything. And like my role is I built my brand as a photographer first and foremost and I did do the free shoots I did all those things I'm not saying you have to do that if you can avoid that amazing but I built a brand a really quality personal brand off you know being that second shooter doing the thing learning my worth but also learning my place in the world and kind of like figuring that out and I think that was probably like a really good lesson for me is like maybe you do have to do the, that graft and that hard yards to get there. But at the same time, once you do get there, understanding that people are no, like nine times out of 10 going to try and fuck you over. Yeah. But yeah, I think it took me until this most recent business to really stand on my own being like, oh, okay, cool. If you can't afford to work with me, that's all good. Like no stress, good luck kind yeah. of thing. Like water off a duck's back kind of thing. But Whereas that's I used not to fight for it last time, you know, like I'd, yeah. I'd go to the bottom dollar if I could just to get the next business. Yeah. Also, I guess back at the beginning though, like there has to be a degree of the graft. give and take. Like yes, you have yeah. to do that. I almost feel like I thought I made it. Like I was like, oh yeah, I know my worth. I know my value about that would have been maybe like five years ago or something. And I was wrong because I got humbled again. It keeps <laughs> getting, oh, it's still happening to me as well. And now I'm probably, they, they call it the Dunning-Kruger theory. When you think you're at your highest, yeah. you're actually like, 
you haven't passed the curve yeah. and you're actually not as smart or as valuable or as switched on as you think you are. You just think you are. Yes. And then when that's you the get hardest part. On the, yeah, yeah. That's the peak of the Dunning-Kruger yes, and then right. afterwards you drop off. And you the most of, learnings it's happen. Steady, yeah, and it yeah. steadies out and that's when you actually do know the most. You are actually high value, are high worth and funnily enough you're not peaking anymore <laughs> like in your mind. So it's it's an interesting... It takes those though. Yeah, yeah that's a really takes, cool way to like describe it because you're right, like every one of those bits has been like pivotal you know like yeah. in the journey and I and got like, I got fired journey. from my own company you know like that was one of those when I came out of the apprentice that was like the woman's day story is that yeah one of my amazing mentors Brad he let me go from my own company because I thought I knew better and I wasn't listening and I wasn't following process and it wasn't and it was just time and time again until like what a massive learning experience. oh my god it was crazy like I literally lost everything like my staff watched me go I literally left like it was crazy and my dad really helped me there and like was like don't just take like pick your ass up like figure out how to make this work but yeah that was a honestly now looking back such a good like point it taught me integrity which was the biggest thing is like I was full of sincerity I knew how to make people like me I knew how to smile I knew how to say all the right things sales you know yeah but following through with your word is a huge lesson to learn and I was just so good at telling people what they wanted to hear that I needed something like that to happen because now integrity is like one of the biggest things in my like value book. You now know? you won't say something if you don't mean it or yeah. you're not going to follow through. Or at least give it your all. Whereas I was just, I was handing it out, you know? Yeah. It's, that's great advice. I think integrity as well is such a like admirable quality to have. So oh, we're always learning it as well. Like I'm not the best yeah. at it, but like it's... It's when you find it in people that and was, stuff. You said that with integrity. No. Thank you. Thank <laughs> that learning. Yeah. No, it's really cool. Like I like my one and only staff member in my new company right now, Hannah, is just full of it. Like one of those people that is just that type of human and the trust factor and how we can build the brand together and work together is just so dramatically different and like huge to me that now I'm like, that is it. You know, like initiative, trust and yeah, integrity. It's huge. Yeah. And now you get both as well because you can do the sales things when you need to, but make sure that it's like done in a honest. Yeah, I guess, it's a lot more way. under promise over deliver fashion than how I promise under deliver. How I'd previously learned, which was like, yeah, we're going global tomorrow, yeah. and it's like, okay, well, we're not. Yeah, <laughs> so like, probably not. Probably but. not. Gonna, actually, not even this year. You know, so like, yeah. So that, I think that was probably like. It took a lot of those types of scenarios to happen before I was like, well, it's just so much better off doing it the other way. So, Awesome. Moving back towards the property space, you've gone again on your second property. Yep. Are you looking at continuing to invest? Yes. Is that, what yep. does that journey look like for you? I love property. Obviously, I've had an amazing experience so far as well. Interest rates are a little bit scary, <laughs> which I'm like learning, yep. learning as we go. But again, I'm looking bigger picture. I know the ride. My parents, that's where they've like really thrived as property. Um, yeah. they're, no, they're not like property moguls, but like they've taught me a lot in the sense that, you know, they've valued their smart debt and they've played the cards well. And I just think it's a really nice constant, even though it doesn't feel like a constant yeah. to me that like physical asset. I've got a lot of mon my money tied up in business assets, you know? Yeah. When everyone's talking about like sharesies and stocks and all this kind of stuff, I think, oh my God, am I like doing enough to invest? And I take a step That's back. That's your and, businesses. <laughs> yeah, those well, are your shares. And they're the risks, you know, like those are my risky investments that even though I don't feel like they are, they are. Yeah. Whereas like my properties, I feel so, yeah, comfortable with that we own that together and it's, yeah, it's a really nice feeling. So absolutely, that's our plan is to continue to expand that and not necessarily just build, um, 
the whole portfolio. Like I'm, I'm always open to selling one to get the next and like moving things around. We've actually just got our third mortgage, but that was to buy congrats, back. Thank, lol. <laughs> it's so funny that it, like anyone who doesn't have a mortgage says congrats. Eh? Yeah. And I'm like, really? Like, and also now, like it's if, just debt. <laughs> it's expensive yeah. debt. Yeah. So at a 7% interest rate, which is really exciting. My first 7%er actually. This mortgage, however, was to buy back the rest of my company, The Whitening Co. So I was only a part shareholder in, but it was my brand. It was my baby. And the opportunity arose for me to have 100% of it. So Ollie and I went through another mortgage process and this time to buy a business back, which again was a learning for me. Didn't know that you could do that. And using the equity of our properties and the value that we're doing. But also both of us are making enough money now to fund that, which is obviously very great. However, it doesn't mean that it's not hard I just knew that the opportunity was worth it now and we had to make that decision yeah so, that opportunity would probably not no come it wouldn't again. come again and, yeah. and if it did the business would be worth a lot more you know yeah. so like to be able to do this now was really important even if it meant like the interest rates and whatnot so we had to have long hard thinks about pretty much my new mortgage repayments were going to be what my last salary payment was weekly and so had to, like, luckily enough I own my own business so I can give myself a pay rise <laughs> and to yeah. be able to like do that and that's just like those learnings as well like I used to just pay myself whatever and now I'm like way more reluctant about that. I've got Ollie in the background yeah. being like, maybe not. Yeah. But b- being able to like push it a little bit further and I love that push because that push is where the good stuff happens. You yeah. Know? Like that risk. And for a purpose and for a reason. Like yeah. you're not just increasing your salary and taking money out of the business. No, no, yeah. For, you know. Willy-nilly, right? Yeah. Yeah. For It's for another investment that's going to grow your kind of overall Net wealth. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of the plan. It definitely is a scary situation right now like yeah seeing those payments come out for the first time over the last couple months has been hard but at the same time like yeah coming back to the office on the week that it happened it only happened a couple weeks ago and just feeling like every video that I make now is for me and every like cool little thing that we do like well for us and yeah it's a pretty cool feeling and knowing that I've taken another risk but it's very calculated makes me pretty proud yeah and obviously you've you're really clear on what your purpose is there as well. So yeah. like you get to go to work, have the purpose, know that that's growing your wealth, like how good. Which I understand is such a like, again, not to pop on right privilege, but I'm very lucky that I can go to my work and be that passionate about that. And that's why I'm willing to risk, you know, half a million to do something like this because it's like, I realize that I'm in this position that I shouldn't take this for granted. Let's double down. Like let, yeah. let's go for it. And like also the other side to it is, look, if I'm buying – a business for ha- half a business for half a million that means I have a million dollar asset for the first time well other than a house you know yeah and that's a pretty cool feeling like that's something that I've built it's kind of interesting and crazy though that often the way you do that is like in terms of funding businesses yeah. is from like a mortgage or You're from debt, property yeah. like that's how it happens in New Zealand so much yeah Which, like where else would you have got that money from you know no I, I couldn't have you know like and I don't have like like I said I'm, I'm lucky to have my parents to help back but not to nowhere near like anything like that so it was yeah I wouldn't have I couldn't get a personal loan out like that and I was yeah if I couldn't have done that so properties actually kind of enabled you in your business massively yeah so it's enabled me to get our second investment property which then allowed me to create equity again but also trust with the banks and understanding mortgages as well like I wouldn't have rushed into just doing this in a business if I didn't have a home probably but yeah yeah, the leverage and the equity has been like the coolest thing that I've learned off. And then learning t- 
to understand your overall net worth, I think has been a really key factor there as well, because otherwise it can feel like you're just accumulating a lot of debt. Yeah. And that can be a really scary thought. Not really recognizing that that debt turns into equity yeah. and then that's your growth as opposed to, you know, purchasing a car, which does not have any down kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> except for during covid funnily enough yes. they like yeah like their value. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. dogs also did the same thing yeah. like buying a dog during dogs COVID, expensive, it was like jet skis expensive cars <laughs> expensive yeah try and sell those now yeah, yeah, yeah. no so it, it was it was genuinely like that that's kind of how it all came to life and i'm very yeah really grateful for that awesome and what kind of advice would you give to other first home buyers or people like listening and and hearing about your journey when it comes to, slice. to profiting <laughs> and cut. <laughs> so that what you want me to yeah. say? Yeah. <laughs> no, um, what would I give? I think, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier. The team is probably a really big one, but re- if you can, like, don't just look at it because you really want the marble bench top or something like that. Don't get me wrong. That's important. You really want to, if it's somewhere you're going to live, I'm all about that. You don't want to hate it, but Think about the equity. Think about the money that's going in versus money that's going out and how much it's going to build you because I think everyone thinks of home ownership being like a 30-year thing, but like how that can change your life in two years is pretty dramatic if you play your cards right. So like I think treating property like it is a business and manoeuvring it around and kind of playing with the numbers and figuring out your equity and understanding your net worth is probably, again, that like, you know, all your debt versus all your equity and all your income, you know, how does that play out? And realizing that I'm still on the positive after all those decisions has been hugely beneficial because now you feel way more calculated about it. You don't feel as nervous about it. So that's kind of, if you can, if you are in the um, position to actually just think about it, you're not just searching for a home, you're searching for like a- a You're also seeing it as an investment. A starting block, you know, like if you're looking at it like that, then yeah, that's probably- where I think the most value for me came out of was really thinking, okay, how can we leverage this next time? What can we do next? And yeah. what's that going to leave us over with at the end of these, you know, mortgages and things like that? So, yeah, that's kind of where my probably best property advice comes from. Is actually seeing it as a stepping stone on your wealth journey. It's, yeah, it's not the it's not the end goal, you know, yeah. like it hasn't always been the like... The first one's definitely not the end one anyway. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think, like, realising that is probably also, like, you know, we always talk about first home, but I think it's this huge thing in New Zealand to like own your first home. It has to happen. And it's like, I didn't do it for that. Grateful for that. Obviously that's so cool that I've done that, but I did it in the sense that, sorry, we did it. I should say in the sense that we were looking to like, we had bigger dreams, you know, like we were like, okay, cool. Well, if we can do this here, then we can do this next time. And I'd love to build one day. I need the equity to do that. I'm not, I can't fund that. And so like using that as those stages, I think is probably quite, an important thing and realizing that if you need to buy the smaller townhouse to start with think about the equity that that could make yeah or buy a property that you don't want to live in and you want to rent out totally. or you know whatever look at those other be. options yeah. right like that's yeah definitely where i am now probably weren't so much at the start i was again in that really fortunate weird covid time but um what i've learned from that was huge and so yeah if any of my friends are getting into it i'm like just think about that because it's really worth it you might not even be in this home for 2 years yeah. you know like it could be a but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it's a stepping stone yeah wicked and the last question that i have for you is i don't know which property probably the the first home maybe because you still own that right yeah. if that first home had a doorbell and that doorbell played a theme song what song would it play if it did, or because it does. But, oh my god! Oh, but not like a theme song, no. But what okay. would it play? Probably like, is it real cheesy to say the Friends one? Oh no! We, we play it so much, but like the little, <laughs> you know, like that would be so good. Welcome to Slice Property Made Possible. 
We are a platform on a mission to reduce barriers to home ownership. This podcast is a safe space for our community to learn together and build the confidence required to start on their property journey. When you're ready to start, head along to slicedubai.com and sign up for your free dashboard.